I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Special show today. Actually, our second special show of the week. Justin, who's on the line with me, he just did a show with Fumi Saito and Debbie Malenko that is really cool. Debbie is uh, someone who was uh, one of the top U.S. women wrestlers in her day. She took many years off and is trying to make her comeback. And Fumi was instrumental in her career. So Justin sat down with both of them and had a really cool conversation. And, you know, I think everybody who listens to that is going to be rooting for Debbie when it comes to, uh, you know, getting back into the swing of things. Uh, also on the line is uh, and still AEW champion John Moxley. What is up? I'm sitting in this uh, hotel room. Because pay-per-view in Jacksonville Saturday night, no real point to fly home Sunday all day just to turn right back around on Monday and spend like 12 hours at home. So kind of like sit in a hotel room for Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And the way the world is now, you know, especially Florida's, you know, opening up and everything. And I got to be responsible for you know myself and my peers and everything so not going out and uh you know not going out to bars or fucking anything or hanging out or going to events or anything you know so just literally sitting in the hotel room for three days celebrating this championship with uh championship uh victory by just sitting here watching fucking family guy and cnn and i am <laughs> bored as fuck so like i'm totally happy to be able to do this today. <laughs> like yeah literally i was it's like yeah what's good for you i'm like dude i'm sitting here <laughs> bored as fuck like let's, whatever like anytime like let's go <laughs> Well, uh, that's that's the reason we're doing this a little bit differently. Like we had been doing these shows prior, like, you know, recording on the weekend and then setting it up for the week. And we would preview the UFC show, but schedules and differences in schedules and such uh, made it so that that wasn't going to work. And I don't think I'm going to be around for uh, the UFC 255 post show that we were going to be doing because I'm going to be traveling um, very safely, by the way, not 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 uh, in, in a reckless way. But um but yeah, so you know, we're just gonna shoot the stuff here, talk UFC stuff. We'll talk a little bit about UFC 255, but we'll talk about the news. We'll talk about all the things going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And yeah, we're just gonna, you know, it's it, it's not gonna be. It'll, it'll be structured because it's I can't do anything in a super unstructured way. But it'll, you know, we're gonna talk about all the stuff going on. So Justin, how you doing? And how do you feel about the interview that we just put up? I feel really good about the interview. Um, we've got some videos up on like YouTube and Twitter. And this Friday, we're going to upload the same podcast that was uploaded today, but it's just going to be like a, a video version. And I have a lot of pictures that Fumi Saito shared with me. 
and add those there and some video footage we'll see. But um, yeah, it was great. And if you're into all Japan women's wrestling or just Carl Gotch trainee, Carl Gotch UWF Luthez style wrestling, listen to the Debbie Malenko podcast. You'll learn a lot. Um, that, sounds, that sounds really interesting. I might have to check that out. Yeah, I was going to ask Man. you if you knew who Debbie was or if you'd seen any of her work before. If you want to, if you're a pro wrestler and, uh, you know, I like, I like gifts, you know, so I'll save a couple pages or bookmark them or whatever. And, uh, I don't do, I don't participate in Twitter cause I just, I don't like it. You know, that it's not, my, not for me, I'm not going to be there. Understandable. But there's some really cool pages that have like cool gifts. Yeah, and if you're a pro wrestler, just wants to steal moves and stuff. Sometimes, like you'll get an idea just seeing a move, and that'll even if you don't do that exact move, that'll just spark an idea in your head or something, you know. So I'm all, I, I'm a big fan of gifts, you know. So all the good gift pages out there, I'll check out and look. And you'd be amazed. I mean, you wouldn't, as you all know, but some of the best gifts and coolest moves and just some of the best looking stuff you ever see is 90s Japanese women's wrestling. That's right. These chicks are amazing. But yeah, they're so ahead of their time. They're doing stuff that dudes were doing in the X Division or Ring of Honor or whatever 10 years later. But like 10 years before that, these these two women were doing them in all Japan. Like the, the, uh, Just the training of anybody these women who came up in Japanese pro, I'm sure you get into it in a thing, but the training that they do, they're just like, they're like on another level. Like they're so ahead of their time, I guess is what I'm saying. Like if you, if you want 90s all Japan women's match or whatever the promotion is, you know, it's like you're fast forwarding in time. It's like they were, they were time travelers. They were so ahead of their time and just some of the best stuff you, you could see. So, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, there was something I was just watching a few days ago. I think it was on YouTube. It was Debbie Malenko and uh, Saki Hasegawa. They were a tag team, Jungle Jack. They were against Manami Toyota, and I think it was Toshio Yamada. This is like 92, right? The bell rang, and Debbie and Saki, they did stereo tope suicidas. That's 1992, though. Like <laughs> We see it sometimes now, but in 1992... Because, John, I think you're around my age, and Garrett, we're all kind of the same, you know, no, I'm, I'm I'm clearly, like, at least 10 years older than both of you, or at least 8 years older than both of you. Well, you're as cool as all the young guys, so don't worry about it, <laughs> Um But, like, seeing that kind of stuff and then thinking about 1992, like, 1992 was a lot different in at least the States. Well, Watt, yeah, they, Watt, Bill Watts was actually bringing wrestling back a few years and taking away a lot of that stuff it was just a completely different style and there wasn't a lot of crossover or like shared information just because how could you it's just the information traveled more slowly but i mean even the booking style rossi ogawa you, you'll hear on the show there's uh, deb explains how sometimes they would be in tag matches and rossi ogawa would determine the finish based on how the crowds react. And so the girls wouldn't know the finish until he gave a signal uh, like at the house. So, yeah, that was, that was a crazy part of the interview because I think Fumi was saying like, maybe like depend, like some, it was like a pin versus a pencil. And then, so the, when, when the wrestlers would be looking for who's going to go over, 
there would be real sort of, uh, you know, frustrate, not frustration, but just sort of like your, your, your mood would go up or down just based on, you know, as you're having the match and seeing who's actually going to go over. It was kind of interesting. It was a different uh, wrestling culture, it seemed like. It seemed that especially that crop in the early 90s, um, Deb was saying that girls had IVs hooked up to them on the tour bus and they would do the stitches on the tour bus. You know, it was hardcore. And they would go they would go to towns that you know, New Japan won't go to the towns that are way, way, way north or way south um, for a couple of days. It's she she lived the the hardcore the local life but and uh, unfortunately it ended early because she uh, got an ankle injury yeah the end of her career and but, and, um, and yeah. so like have you talked to her about you know because she hasn't wrestled for uh, a while now but i'm sure the the injury must be completely healed and she's feeling great because you know she is a little bit older now but i mean if you look at her she looks like she's in tremendous shape yeah, and um, she has kids, but they're grown up now. Um, and she had expressed an interest in returning, and she had a plan to go down to Mexico and train with Esther Moreno earlier in like April, but a pandemic happened, so things got all screwed up. So she wants to come back, but you know it's a weird time right now. Yeah. So we'll see. But there's a lot more info in that podcast, and she's great. You know, down to earth, and she's from. Uh, a different time period. She and she when she left, she didn't like that. Stayed with her. She's still that uh, that vibe, that person. And, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love I love the back and forth between her and Fumi about how she wanted to present her gimmick and how he thought was the best way. And still to this day, she's like, well, maybe I come back a little differently. He's like, nope, you got to wear the, wear the, you're, you're an athlete. You're you know, it's, it's, it's so, it was so cool to hear their back and forth. Um, yeah, a lot of people thought of them as like the female Steiners. We should bring her into wrestle Sheeta. That's obvious. That would be awesome. Thunder Rosa. I'm not, I, I don't do the booking or uh, that's not, not my business, but I mean, that's pretty obvious. Right? You, you got a pretty good relationship with the booker, I would say. That's good. You know? It, it's well, a great story, too. It's a real story. It's a real story. In 2020, it's not easy if you want to make a big wrestling comeback. It's not easy to find a place because a lot of places aren't running. You got to find a place that's doing it effectively and safely. We got a nice spot here in, at Daly's Place in Jacksonville. I'm here in the bubble right now. It's boring as fucking hotel room, <laughs> but you know, we're in a nice, you know, we got a good situation going on here. Debbie Malenko should just come here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think doesn't, doesn't that make sense for everyone? We got, we got to make those inroads. I think she's, I think she would be really interested because based on, you know, so this is Justin's talking to her. Yeah, I talked to her about a month, a little bit over a month ago with Meltzer. And I know that she's just chomping at the bit. She's like, this is what I want to do. It was taken away from me and I have the time now. I'm ready to go. So I know, I know that she's looking, you know, for something like that. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, they should just do that. That just makes all the sense in the world. Just give me, give me a call, Debbie. I'll, 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 I'll give you the address. We're down here at the Hyatt in Jacksonville. Come in, you know. We'll get you, we'll put it on the sheet. We'll get you in the ring. Kick some ass, you know? It's going to stretch some people, stretch some ladies. <laughs> yeah, thanks. yeah, I'm, I'm, I show you, yeah, I know, I'm, you know, I'm fantasy booking on, uh, on the podcast, too. but I don't know, for real though, like seriously, why, that, 
let's i think i just talked it into existence now it's going to happen and you're going to be like oh literally we just listened to the beginnings of how it happened on this podcast a legendary podcast that started the whole Debbie Malenko comeback. Let, let She's an AEW Women's World Championship match, and it all started right here with us, gentlemen. <laughs> this is what we're doing. We're making history. We're getting shit done. We're talking about shit. That's why you're the champ. Yeah, exactly. That's why. It's exactly why. Um, all right, we'll, 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 we'll kick it kick it off I, I will come back to a pro wrestling question uh, a little bit later but i do want to talk a lot about some of the stuff that's going on in the ufc and i wanted to ask john what he thought about anderson silva's retired supposedly retirement fight against uri hall did you get to check that fight out and what'd you think about the whole thing with hall winning and then breaking down and silva you know, having to answer the question time and time again and not really giving that straight of an answer about whether it was his last fight. Yeah, real interesting. I'm not exactly sure where his... uh, Because it it seemed like he had two fights left on his contract and it seemed like him and Dana came to a decision that this is going to be my last fight. But he seemed to be like, nah. And Dana was like, well, if he's going to go fight somewhere else, then whatever, but... To me, it's over. So, like, is he going to go? Like, it it seemed like he's going to go, like, try to fight in Bellator or one. But I just can't see Dana actually letting him contractually do that unless they really did come up with a deal and let him out of his deal or something. But, I don't know, it seems like a good end to me. He hasn't won. I mean, so the, the, day, the day of the... Uh, did I watch it? Not only did I watch it, I spent, I did a whole Anderson Silva day. I treated it like a holiday. In the hours leading up to the fight, I hopped on the fight pass, got pulled up some old fights. You know, some of them my wife had never seen before. You know, and I'm like, dude, Anderson Silva in the day, he was like literally in the Matrix. It was crazy. You got to see this. And uh, watch him versus like Forrest Griffin, him versus Vitor. The Forrest Griffin one's insane. It's it's like this dude is literally like <laughs> he's literally in the Matrix. Like he was so good. The speed is a thing that has left him. That that happens to everyone. You get a little older, you get, you're not as fast. And he was just like living three steps ahead of everybody for so many years, and uh, just in a what an amazing run. And I watched him and Chris Weidman where he lost and it like the first first round he's just so disrespectful to Weidman but Weidman Weidman keeps his composure and uh like in between rounds maybe it was Ray Longo whoever was his who goes when he does that punch a hole through his fucking chest you know like so they were expecting this they knew and they caught him and they they, they figured it out you know and uh but he's just so disrespectful and just dodging out of his part. It's it's like comical. You're like, is this real? It looks like a pro wrestling match. <laughs> like this can't be real. That he's actually this disrespectful and keeping his hands down and clowning him and everything. I'm sure if Anderson Silva could do that match again, he would love to do that again because it seemed to me like if, if he'd have just decided at any point, okay, fuck this, I'm just going to take him out. He could have just won the match like at will. 
but he want. I don't know what it was almost like. He was like, would somebody just knock me out? It's getting too easy. I'm sick of being champion. I'm giving all these guys, all these opportunities and nobody's knocking me out and putting my hands down Would somebody just fucking knock. It was almost like he was begging for somebody to knock him out. Cause when you watch it, you're like, there's no way he should have lost that fight. He like, he, it was like he tried to lose. It was insane. It's interesting to watch back with like the benefit of hindsight, but, uh, but we all love Anderson Silva and respect his, his legacy and his run. And, you know, we, uh, I don't, I don't particularly, uh, I'm, I'm cool if it's over. If he wants to go fighting Bellator or something, I'd be amazed if Dana let that actually happen. But, uh, I think it's over and I'm cool with it. You know? And I was, I was like, I explained on the last show we did, you know, when, when he literally killed the the city of Cincinnati, <laughs> by meeting Bruce Franklin in the face, the whole, the whole city just went, fuck. We were so hyped. We finally had a guy we thought we were going to be to get behind and melt me in the face, bitch. I watched that back, too. That was the second fight. I watched them both back. The second fight was actually a little more competitive than I remembered it. Like, Rich tried to do some shit. You know, he defended a little bit. He got it, but he just never really got going, and it was eventually within uh I remember it as a first round knockout, but it was actually, I believe, the second round when I watched it back. But yeah, so I made it a whole Anderson Silva appreciation day, and I watched back all the fights, you know, all the like the highlights. My wife is just like annoyed, but also when I'm like, no, seriously, sit here and watch this thirty seconds of Silva and Forrest Griffin, and she's like, oh my god, Jesus <laughs> Christ, he's like, he's a shit. I'm like, yes, thank you. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I just wanted you to watch. I just wanted you to appreciate. That's all I wanted. Uh, Uriah Hall, hit or miss. Crazy, crazy knockouts. Crazy street fighter. Insane knockouts. But also sometimes he just goes out and doesn't do anything. And he leaves us wondering. Uh, a lot of people that I know and, and train with, he's pretty uh, close with. He spent a lot of time in Vegas. So I kind of feel like. I root for him because he knows people that I know. So I feel like I feel like I really root for him, you know. So hopefully this is the beginning because I mean, you just knocked out Anderson Silva, you knocked out Anderson Silva. It doesn't mean the same thing today as it meant ten years ago, but mm-hmm. it's still a big thing. So like, hopefully he can take that and get a big fight or go forward and move forward. And uh, you know, I, I root for Uriah Hall. And you know, just the speed isn't there anymore, and it's. But he's still fucking Harrison Silva. I don't. It, you know, it's sad as a fan to you know see like. Time comes for everybody. It happens. You're gonna. It's gonna happen. And uh, I didn't li- like. I didn't like seeing Chuck Liddell get knocked out by fucking Tito on that weird Golden Boy show. I don't want to see that shit. So like, if Anderson just hangs it up now. I'm totally cool with that. Like, let's just appreciate you for you're the fucking man. You're An- you're Anderson, the fucking Spider Silva. It's all good. Like, if you want to hang it up, but also you know you get the competitive thing. He wants to do something. Maybe he doesn't want to leave on a lock knockout loss. But like, I'm totally cool as a fan to just like I don't give a fuck that he got knocked out by your eye hole. I don't give a shit about that. I care about the shit I watched earlier in the day. 
when I watch his, you know, I care about his his great run that he had. That's all I'm gonna remember, you know. And I, uh, so I, I'm I'm totally cool. If, like if that's it. All right, we're going to take a quick break to step away from the podcast to talk about Indeed, our first sponsor for today. Indeed is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. They give you full control and payment flexibility. You only pay what you need. You can pause at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, you get some powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Uh, like the sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, off- Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and faster. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So check it out. Go right now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. uh, And the offer is valid through December 31st. So you have about five weeks to get in on this. So check it out. Actually, no, six weeks. Seven weeks. I don't know. I don't know how many weeks there are. It's 2020, folks. But just check it out. What did you think about uh, Hall's performance? Because obviously he's in a little bit of a, a, a rock in a hard place. He has to face, you know, one of his idols who is not at the point in his career that that where he's as dangerous as he once was. I. I, I think he felt. I think he fought a, a little bit of a safe fight. You know, he didn't want to make a mistake and lose this opportunity because, you know, essentially what happens in, in a lot of whether it's mi- mixed martial arts or, or boxing or even pro wrestling is Anderson Silva has that name, and you use that name to launch somebody else. We saw it in in boxing. You know, Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> The reason he became Floyd Mayweather is because Oscar De La Hoya was there for him to beat. Same with Manny Pacquiao. You know, they they both used Oscar in that way, or Oscar, you know, kind of used himself in that way. But the performance in of itself, you know, he did knock him out. But I thought for, you know, two and a half rounds, I was like, what's this guy waiting for? Like, why doesn't he just, you know, fight offensively? Because all he had to really do was touch Silva's chin once or twice. And we knew that Silva was going to go down, but from a performance standpoint, from Uriah Hall, from a, being a fan of his how did you think that he was impressive enough in that victory to kind of launch himself a little bit? Well, you know, Dana tried to say some shit like, Oh, he's a very low output fighter or something. I don't know. He tried to like downplay. I don't know why you would do that as a promoter, why you would try to, like, he just knocked out a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time, and you're a promoter. You wouldn't put him over to the nth degree that I don't understand. And, uh, I mean, because he was being very safe and cautious, but he didn't throw a lot of punches, but two of them pretty much. Uh, and if the round hadn't ended, that would have been the end of the fight. Yeah. So... He not only knocked, he basically knocked him out twice. The bell saved him on the first one. So to me, it was a very efficient. Cause I, I look at the glass half full and try to put the guy over here. 
it was a very efficient performance. He didn't go insane and balls out and throw a million punches. It, it was, you know, you'd call it safe. I just call it efficient. He knew when I put my hand on him, he's going down. And he he knocked him out twice. Who, who knocks out airs twice in one fucking fight? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, so I have nothing but good things to think or say about uh, Hall's performance. All right. So moving along, the news of today is that uh, at least on Poirier's part, that we are closer to the reality of McGregor and Dustin Poirier, a fight which we've talked about on this show for UFC 257. Uh, well, Justin, we'll start with you uh, first, then we'll get John's take on this. But I guess my question is, uh, after all of the hubbub, you know, McGregor talking this and that, and, you know, then talking about wanting to do it, you know, outside of the UFC and, you know, all, the, the, the McGregor show, basically, now that this fight is closer to reality, what is your what what is your feeling? Are, are you excited or, or or does does it feel like? You know, maybe it was more exciting when they were talking about it. And now that the reality is going to be here in a couple months that, you know, maybe it's not maybe you're not too hot on it. But what's your feeling? What's your temperature on this one? Um, My temperature would be like a cool 67 degrees because <laughs> I think like. Is it 100% confirmed or it's just more confirmed than uh, last week? So I think the news is that Poirier signed the bout agreement and Anderson, I mean Anderson, and Connor has to sign the bout agreement on his end. But it sounds like there are no obstacles into getting that done. It's like he just has to put his autograph on there. Now, you know, you know what happens is uh, anything can happen still at this point in, in, unless it's signed. But that is kind of where we are headed. Well, um, unless... Connor signs the contract. I'm not going to pay attention to it. Um, I, is this, does this have something to do with the ultimate fighter? Are they still going to be the coaches? I, I read that might be an idea, but I don't know if that was. Going I, to I don't think the timeline fits. We'll talk about the yeah, ultimate right? fighter uh, later in the show for sure, but I don't think the timeline fits for that. Am I crazy? Did I just like mix two stories or were they like slated to originally be the coaches? Wasn't it something like that? I didn't I hear. Be, I didn't hear that. Okay, I mean, I that, that's that's gr- like a great. Uh, it would be a great get for both of them, uh, or for the UFC. But you know, putting that show on ESPN Plus, how how much does it cost to to get Connor to do anything these days? Probably not. Uh, not something that that was going to be too feasible. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so strike that with the, about the Ultimate Fighter. But as far as this fight goes, I'll get excited about it when. Connor signs and it's you know 100% confirmed. So if, if Dustin Poirier signed, that's cool. I, I'd like to see it, but I'm interested to see what Connor would look like in an MMA ring now because he hasn't fought in a while. I don't know if he would fight differently or he'd, he'd box more or I have no idea. But yeah, it's still kind of like um, uncertain for me. So I don't really have an opinion yet. What do you think, John? I mean, yeah, as far as what kind of would look like now we haven't really seen him we saw him fight cowboy and uh but you know all due respect cowboy he's beatable at this point we didn't really see that much in the fight the thing with the shoulder and all that like he looked good but like you know it wasn't long enough to really see anything 
Poirier is a different story. Poirier is at the peak of his powers. You are not getting off easy in a fight with Poirier. So that'd be, uh, that's, uh, but I don't want to think about it too much because to his point, to Justin's point, until Connor signs it and it's real and it's happening, I didn't want to think about it because so much of his shit, he's, he lives in his own world and it's, you know. Yeah, like, what if he punches shit. an old yeah, guy tomorrow? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you doing? What are you doing? What is this? What are we even talking about here? So, like, when it's signed and it's official and it's advertised and I can click on it and buy it on the fucking fight pass, then I will think about it. Uh, I mean, I'll probably still think about it, but this is interesting. The whole 155 pound thing is the most interesting thing in, in years. Here's Khabib walks away. Clearly the man, untouchable, like we talked about on the last show. But, okay, so he's gone. You got Gaethje's. You got to think Gaethje and Poirier are like the clear number one and two now. The last two guys to lose to Khabib. But Ferguson's like kind of right there. Because Ferguson's, Ferguson's still the man. Like, excellent performance by Gaethje. Beat him. But still, like, so, so it gets us like Poirier, Gaethje, Ferguson right there. But we also got, now Michael Chandler comes in. But we also have Paul Felder, who just come in. Who's probably not going to be in the mix for long. He's talking about possibly retiring after this weekend. Him and Dos Anjos. But you also get Charles Oliveira. It's like the most stat- – like people are talking about a tournament. I think everybody in the world had the same idea at the same time. That like, fuck, we should just do a tournament. Because everybody's talking about it, even though that's not even near a reality, and you know they're not going to do that. Yeah. But, like, people would love that. Because me and probably everybody else in the world said, man, they should just do a fucking tournament. Because it's like the most stacked division of all time. Like, the top six guys or whatever are all, like, all killers. And they're all... They're all on equal. Now that Khabib's gone, they're all back on equal footing. Everybody's awesome, but everybody lost to Khabib in literally the exact same way. Nobody has a clear edge over the other one. So, where do you start? Do you start like do you start with Gaethje? Do you start with Ferguson, Poirier? But Connor has. When's the last time Connor even fought at 155 pounds? Because his last fight in forever was against Cowboy at 170. I don't even think he's fought at 155 pounds since he won the title for Eddie Alvarez, if I'm correct. But he's still in the mix, and let's face it, we're all going to fucking pay to see him fight. So I have no idea what to do. Like, you could literally do anything. It's the most interesting thing going on in the sport right now. It's like, what the fuck do we do with this 155-pound title? I just watched a thing earlier that was pretty interesting. Was, uh, Michael Chandler put out a video where he in-depthly explained exactly how he matches up with like everybody in the top 10. And he's very honest in his assessments and his strengths and his weaknesses or whatever, but he, he wants to fight Gaethje, Connor, or Tony, like right off the bat. That's, that's where he's at. I think UFC likes him. I think we talked about it before, but I think you can tell by the way they kind of put him in the mix and promoted him. They, maybe they see him as, because he's you know, good-looking dude, speaks well, good, you're not going to have any problems, uh, promotes himself well, carries himself well, 
Like he'd be a great, like if you're just a booker and you're like, a, who, who do I want as like a champion? He's like a, he's a great representative of the sport and a division and everything like that. So like if he were to come in and mark fucking Justin Gaethje and Poye and all them and win the title, I feel like UFC would be like, oh, okay, we really like him. Hopefully he does good. I feel like they want him to do good. We have no idea how he's actually going to stack up against this competition. And that's extremely interesting. Uh, it's wild, man. I don't know. I don't know if y'all got any ideas. I got no ideas. What do I say? Do a fucking tournament, do a one night tournament, do a year long tournament. I, I don't know. It's wild. But it's like, the fuck do you do with the 155 pound title? It's like, all the options. The cool thing is, all the options are good. Every fight is a good fight. Every matchup is a good matchup. Like, it's all great options. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but it's all. It's very exciting. I think uh, Dana has been pretty adamant that he is anti-tournament. And I'm not exactly sure why. It's probably because, A, it's kind of hard to book and hard to plan for because guys, you have to get guys to agree to fight certain guys who they may not want to fight. But also, it's an older... Uh, and probably what he thinks is a, is some kind of an outdated plan because that's what the UFC used to be. And that's what, you know, pride used to be. And that's what Bjorn was trying to do with Bellator. So I think to Dana, like that tournament is just like kind of old school. So the flip side, though, is unless your 155 champion can fight three times a year, you cannot utilize all of the top contenders because you know I, I don't know you know who who is a number one contender number two contender who's one a who's one b whatever it is is when they have to fight each other and not fight for the title somebody who could get a title shot actually has to fall down the rankings just because there's only so many title fights you can have in a year and so i think that is i mean it's not a bad problem to have Though, if you are one of those fighters and you know that you are on the cusp of a title fight, do you want to face a Michael Chandler who is as hungry as ever to prove that he is one of the best because, you know, he's new to the UFC? If he if he beats you, then you fall back down. And so I think that that has to be probably just as hard to book if you're Dana White, because guys know that. You know, if, if they want to main event a pay-per-view or if they want to really make their name, they want that title shot, they want to win the championship, being put in a fight to determine who the next possible contender is down the line in six months may not be in their best interest. So I can't imagine that that is an easy thing for Dana and company to have to deal with. No, imagine if you're in the 155-pound division, if you're one of these dudes, no option is a good option. There's no easy, there's no easy fights. It all sucks. Either I gotta face Tony Ferguson and get my fucking face cut up with elbows, or I gotta face Connor and I might get marked, or I gotta face Gaethje and that's a fucking hell of a night. It all sucks. There's no like easy options. If I were fantasy booking it, I'd be like, all right, let's just look at the top four who we're all talking about. Gaethje, Ferguson, Connor, Tony. One night, they'll never do a tournament. They'll never have somebody fight more than once in one night. And I get why. I mean, some people, I just saw Invicta do it. 
Taylor Gardado went to the finals. Uh, uh, close with her. Friend of mine. Hell yeah. Great performance. Lost in the finals. Amazing performance. But uh, yeah, so uh, some people still do it. But, you know, Josh Bardin makes a great case of why people should still be doing it. But they just don't do it anymore. Because most likely, in both the first round fights, somebody's hand broken or something. And then what, we got to bring in like a replacement or something? You know, like. Well, you, you remember that Strike Force Grand Prix that Cormier won? He wasn't even in the tournament. And because of all those things that happened, he was the guy who was, you know, ready to, to be there in the end. Yeah, he came in and gave the wacky body slam to Josh. <laughs> and back then, he was a heavyweight. And they were like, back then, it was like he was the one hope. Nobody could figure out who, who could possibly beat John Jones. But like people back then, I remember being like, if this Cormier cut to 205, he might be the only guy. It's the only like, but he he never even fought two hundred five, but that was like, I remember back then that was like the thing. Like, if anybody was ever going to be Jones, the only hope is this Cormier motherfucker from Strike Force. If he cut to two hundred five and comes over, he could be John. And then obviously they had a big feud and everything. Poor getting off track, but they're not going to do a tournament. But if I were to go to fantasy book it, I'd do Connor, Casey, Tony, Chandler. It's great pro wrestling story they're all different they all have different uh stories and styles it's like because i'm a pro wrestling mind so i'm booking it like i'll be a pro wrestling i would do it one night tournament those four flip a coin to see who faces who and uh well i guess we saw well yeah then well fuck what do you do with poye it's mm-hmm. so deep. It's so stacked. That's what I'm saying. Uh, no, I mean you could literally do an eight an eight man like, tournament. If it's pro wrestling booking, Chandler's like the he's a new interesting character they brought in. Uh, okay, just say for instance, so you did that. You pick those four, or take one of them out, put Poye in. All right, so take Chandler out, put Poye in. If you want depending on what your fantasy booking is. But a one-night tournament, flip a coin, see who faces who, and at the end of the night, you have an undisputed fucking lightweight champion, and here we go. Now we're back to normal. Now Khabib's in the past, and we got a guy. He won two fights in one night. They're not going to do that. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't want them to just... Uh, I don't know. All right, say they booked this Poirier uh, McGregor. I don't know if it'd be 170 or 155. What I hope they don't do is just make that for the 155 pound title because that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Because what about Tony? What about Gaethje? And Connor hasn't fought at 155 in like four years. So what the fuck is he even there for? Yeah, the, I think he reason. when he lost to Khabib, right? But they totally might do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so he did try to. He won the title, never defended it. And then him and 155. Right. So that would have been the last fight of 155. I hope they don't just do Poye Connor for the title because it's easy. Because there's also because Gaethje, Gaethje, Tony Poye. How are you going to leave them out in the dust? Mm-hmm. Three of the baddest motherfuckers that ever walked the earth. How do you leave them in the dust? Like, now, but okay. If you are thinking well, of how many fights does Connor have left in the UFC? 
And we just talked about this, you know, Anderson Silva, his name catapulting somebody else. Let's say that you do want Connor to win the belt, because at least if Connor wins the belt, maybe there's a better chance that he defends it. And maybe you utilize Connor uh, if you think, you know, well, I mean, and well, it's, it's really no, no, no bad thing, right? Because if Connor wins, it's great for the UFC. But if Connor loses and he's not long for MMA, whoever beats him should get to that next level, much like uh, Khabib did. Now, Khabib was always uh, as a fighter at that level, but he got so much more famous as, uh, you know, as someone who could draw from beating Connor. And I think that could happen to somebody else. So if you're the UFC, I could see them wanting that belt on Connor just because being in the Connor business is, is better for them than not being in the Connor business. And if he does, you know, if he does lose, he's going to make somebody in, in the loss at the same time. 100% they would want the belt on Connor because he's like the biggest fucking star. Like if it were pro wrestling, you put Connor because he's the biggest fucking star. And then you go from there. That's where you start. But it's not pro wrestling. And uh, so, like, because the two times Connor won the titles, you made this big hubbub and he won the featherweight and then a lightweight title. And then he never defended either of them. Yeah. So, like, my fear would be that he would win the title because we have all this confusion because Khabib just left. So, I want a clear, definitive champion. So, like, the last thing I want is Connor to come in and win the belt and then go off and try to fight Oscar De La Hoya or fucking Roy Jones Jr. or some shit. If he was going to like, if he was like, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to defend it and I'm just, I'm going to, I'll fight three times this year. Great. Love Connor to be champion. That's great. But I'd be just scared that he would like win it and then not defend it again. And then we got all kinds of confusion again. Yeah. Because right now we have confusion. And I, I want some, I want, I want a, I want a champion. I want to figure it out. And we have like this murderer's row of 155ers. And we got to figure out how to like find out who's number one. Let's do a fucking battle royal. First ever. UFC. Throw them all in there in the octagon. Eight sides, eight <laughs> men, one man leads. There you go. I just figured it out. Battle royal. That's how we do it. But. Bunkhouse Battle Royal, actually. Um, all right. So, I, I mean, I think anytime Connor is involved, it, it's a big deal because if you're ESPN, you just, you know, in a, in a sense, because of the way that that deal works, ESPN is probably even more excited than anybody else to get another Connor fight because, you know, they just pay. Yes, uh, UFC, whatever, whatever the norm is, and then they they get to make the money off of the rest of it. But you know, I I am interested. I'm excited anytime Connor's involved. Uh, some of the tasteless things and some of the you know ridiculous uh, and illegal things that he does has soured him uh, to me in the, in the last several years. So I cannot say that I am as big of a Connor fan as I was. You know, when I saw him fight Chad Mendez, like that was awesome. But he's just not the same guy to me. And it's unfortunate because, you know, he, this is his personal life. And so I'm sort of judging him on, on his personal life. But the fact that he is such a public figure and we hear everything that happens and everything that he does and who he sucker punches and, you know, all these some really, really nasty things. My Connor fandom is definitely probably lower than it's been before I even knew who he was. So 
I st- I'll still watch. He's he's. If you're following the UFC, he is someone that you have to pay attention to. But you know, from a fandom standpoint of like, oh, I can't wait to see Connor. I hope he wins. Mm, I, I'm not. It's not like that for me anymore because of you know what he's well, done. Well, with insights, and you are not the only one around the world who feels the same way. Although we will all tune in to see him fight. Absolutely, I'll, I'll pay. I'm going to definitely pay for it. Sit together. But the lesson is. Don't be a fucking dick. <laughs> Don't do dumb shit. Don't do shit that you know is wrong to do. And you know, and because when you do, people will look at you like you're a dick. Because you're a dick. And you do things that are bad. Just don't do. Just be a fucking good guy. And you people will look at you like a good guy. All right. A couple of other things happening in the UFC. These are aren't as uh, extensive of topics as Conor McGregor. But uh, this weekend, I think John already kind of mentioned it. Paul Felder has to ste- had to step in because the UFC lost their main event. As and Justin's going to have to help me with this name. Islam Makachev had to withdraw. Uh, I believe staff infection is what I heard. Uh, he was supposed to face uh, Rafael dos Anjos. And Paul Felder steps in five days uh, before the fight and fight will still be five rounds and at 155 pounds from a name value standpoint. This probably helps the card uh, in in a way, even though, you know, having one of your guys that you are, you know, hoping does well, you know, not fight doesn't bode well necessarily. But from a from a public standpoint, from a. You know, oh, now I know who Paul Felder is. I think this actually works out for them, interestingly enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, cool. Um, Garrett, you got the name, I think. (laughs) Pretty sure. Um, So, okay, there's one interesting thing about this because, yeah, Paul Felder is doing it. He's doing the fight, but Rafael Dos Anjos called out Michael Chandler and Michael Chandler declined. This is this is from yesterday. I'm looking at something on uh, MMA fighting. Um, Basically, when uh, Islam dropped from the fight, uh, RDA called out Chandler on like Instagram or Twitter or something. I'll read the quick uh, tweet. If you don't take a fight because you don't have enough time to drop weight. I get it, but don't tell me you have other plans. I became the champion of the biggest organization fighting everyone they put in front of me. Shame on you. That's what Rafael Dos Anjos had to say for Chandler. Uh, Chandler responded basically saying, we have a plan. Uh, I don't know what that meant, but it seems like something's cooking in 155. I don't know what. Uh, This probably could have had uh, more star power, but it is what it is, I guess. But uh, yeah. Paul Felder, we'll see how he does. Any thoughts on this job? That would have been interesting, uh, have been interesting if Chandler would have stepped in there. Because, I mean, we haven't even talked about Dos Andres. He's also in this division. Fights 170 and 55, but, like, he's still... We have, like, a guy that good, and we haven't even talked about him. That's how deep the division is. It's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, Gate. From listening to, to Chandler talk, he wants to fight Gaethje, Ferguson, or Connor. And that's so I totally get he's got a plan. And Dos Anjos just didn't, he's like, he's clearly got another fight being worked on. So I don't think it's so much that he's like afraid of Dos Anjos or ducking him. He just like, he's, 
he's focused on another fight. Oh, oh that would have been cool if he would have just stepped in and if he just stepped in and marked us, Andre, you know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, that'd be a great start. Be the yourself to people, you know, but he uh, he declined to do that. So, uh, Paul Felder, who doesn't love Paul Felder? Nobody. That's the answer. No, everybody loves Paul Felder. You know, they he's not not only as a fighter, also as a voice, as an announcer as well. Like he he's really, I think he's by by doing the announcing, he's you know he's almost he's probably more famous in fighting for doing both because I think he's a, he's a pretty good voice too. Yeah. He's getting himself over. He's getting over his, uh, his just passion for martial arts and his knowledge of the sport. And the fact that he's a nice, nice guy and people want to see him do well. And he's an action fighter and always has crazy wars and people love him. I I think this is going to be like his biggest fight where he's like the biggest baby face, especially coming in notice against those Andres who's like former champion. who's just a, like one of the best ever, you know, like a legend, you know, like, and those Andres is interesting. Cause he's like, it seems like he's been hit or miss over the last few years. Cause he's either like a hundred percent, like destroys Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz, or maybe it was when he got knocked out by Eddie Alvarez. Maybe maybe his button got pushed and his uh, trigger got pulled and things were different or something after that. But then he gets like a uh, fight against Covington, just got dominated. It's like, it's like he's hit or miss. It's like one way or the other with him, seemingly, over the last few years. But I feel like at any moment, Dos Anjos is another guy who could just come in and take out anybody in that division. So, but Felder's, I feel like this is going to be like a big, uh, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at everything like, like if I was a pro wrestling booker, you know, like I would make, I would take this opportunity. I would put fucking Felder over in the main event and I had him cut a promo and be <laughs> like, who will ever come to that tournament? I don't care. I'm going to do this one last fight for my family or something bullshit whatever you know because he's kind of like about to retire you know he's a trainer for a triathlon so he's gonna be in shape because uh, uh, he's like looking to do he's like i know my fighting days are over i gotta do something competitive afterwards so he's talking about training for a triathlon which is what he's getting ready to do when he got the call for this fight and i'm like fuck it i'm five days north let's do it let's make, make it what exactly what he said was like let's fucking get paid make some money Go in there with one of the greatest of all time in RDA and do it. And uh, if this were, if this were wrestling again, for the millionth time I said it, I'd, I would put Paul, Paul Felder over in the main event with his finish, and I'd have him cut a big promo. And whoever wins the light heavyweight title tournament that I would book, I'd have him face Paul Felder. But that none of that is actual reality. That's just my crazy fantasy booking. But I do think I can say that Paul Felder will have a lot of support in this fight. And I actually, I, I think he's got a great chance. He's in, he's training for a triathlon, so he's going to be in shape. And he, we know he's one of the smartest guys in the business. We know he's a, a studious martial artist. And RDA can be like the 
the baddest motherfucker in the world one night and then some other nights he just like seems like he's not there so we don't know which rda we're gonna get i think paul felder's chances are really really good and i'm uh i'm 100 behind him well as a as a seg here what do you think the odds are for the fight we're, we're gonna start we're gonna talk about betonline.ag uh, in a second here but if you were to if you were to think of what the odds were Paul Felder coming in uh, uh, with five days to get ready for this fight what what would you put the odds at I bet he's probably like plus 175 or something like that pretty close I bet he's not, I bet he's not a huge underdog Plus, plus 155 is at least the bet online uh, line that we have. Uh, and, you know, we're going to use this opportunity to, to do our pro wrestling question, also sponsored by bet online. But do you have. I was pretty close. Yeah, you're, 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 you're almost right on the money. But when you bet on fights, are you looking for great odds or are you just looking for like. Your gut, like how how when when you bet, like what are some of the factors? Because some people do it very scientifically, right? There's so many betting an- analytics. I don't know about from a fight perspective these days, but like football betting, like there's so it's all data and stats and analytics. But when you're like I mean, the last time we mentioned the the Gaethje fight, like you definitely saw him as an active underdog. But was it more of a gut thing or was it somewhere you like, you know, because you definitely studied the game. You told us what are some of the things that he needed to do to win. But when it came to actually putting money down, like where was the instinct? No analytics as far as like numbers and betting odds and stuff like that. I I have a fourth grade level math education. That's not my thing. But uh, I never learned how to do long division. You know, <laughs> still don't know how to do you know, But, I, you know, it turns out I didn't need it. So fuck you. Uh, <laughs> it's all, all guts and guts and heart, man. That's what I look for. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, all instinct and, like, if I got a feeling, if I feel magic in the air, it's all for fun. Like, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. put any action serious money on anything i'm not i learned from the cab driver when i first moved to vegas because he's like do you gamble i said no that was good don't start <laughs> i've seen so many people come here and leave with nothing and i'm like okay good i don't even know how to play cards so like i'm just not gonna get it i don't do actual like i'm not gonna put any actual money on anything but like for fun you know but so I'm not going to look at like analytics and bets and like, ooh, how can I win money? Like, I don't give a shit about that. But if it's like a story, that's what I like to do on pro wrestling. I like to tell stories. And when I see a story playing out and I go like, ooh, I want to like get more invested in this, I'll throw a few bucks on Michael Bisping. Because I'm like, I just feel it in the air, man. I felt it in the air. Like he's going to fucking, he's going he's gonna to pull off the, Michael Bisping will win the championship of the world and, so just to get more emotionally invested, I'll throw a few bucks in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like if I'm like really behind somebody, just to make it even more fun, I'll throw a few bucks on. Yeah, it's just all to me like magic and it's nothing to do with the money or the analytics. It's just the magic and the story. And I'll just get myself more invested and put a little more magic on, you know. And then if you lose, it's even worse. It's like oh no, and I lost a hundred bucks or whatever, but you know. 
But it, but if if line is like even, then there's no point. That's yeah, not even worth it. So it only one, but it feels like a huge underdog, and I'm like, man, I feel like this could be, this could be the night. I'll throw a few bucks just to make it fun, but just you know, but because that's what I love about sports and wrestling and fighting and all the shit, the magic and the stories and the shit like that, you know. Well, if you go to betonline.ag and if you do, make sure you use the. Uh, front slash blue wire in signing up you there are they are taking they are taking bets for dana white's contender series which is going on like soon or maybe even now they are taking bets for uh, bellator 252 which is on thursday they are taking bets on uh, obviously ufc this weekend and then the ufc pay-per-view which we will talk about uh, next week so tons of tons of stuff that uh, they are taking action on. So go to betonline.ag front slash blue wire. All right. So as far as the uh, as far as the the pro wrestling question, this one is interesting, and, and it was something that I had thought about and I had wondered about. I've heard Tony Khan talk about it a little bit, which is he said that uh, Eddie Kingston. Uh, I, maybe it wasn't the plan immediately to get to Kingston. You had told us the story uh, a few shows ago, how you got the call uh, when, when Lance Archer wasn't able to, uh, to to wrestle and how you got the call for Kingston. And, and that was intriguing to you. But after that, after you, you won that match, it was a decisive victory. Um, was the plan always to come back to full gear with Kingston or was it influenced because of how well that match got over for that to be the the full gear main event. No, that was not the. Uh, I had a whole another set of plans for like everything I was gonna do with Lance, and I had a whole, I had a whole different thing. I won't reveal it in case I ever go back to it and do something similar. So, mm-hmm. but uh, what the thing with Eddie was like, it was just a bridge for the night. Like we have this big advertisement event, but it's 2020. And like, as we all know, and the fans are sympathetic to, we show up on the day, somebody could have been in contact with somebody and whatever. And now it's all fucking scrapped. You know? So you got to just be able to pivot and do something else. So I did this thing with Eddie and I was just focused on just that night with Eddie. But literally as soon as, uh, Masters over, kind of choked him out. I mean, he's like, I didn't tap this bullshit. And I was like, oh, it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. So simple. He didn't tap because he got choked out. So now I quit match. Four weeks of promos. Easy money. I just, I, uh, you know, and uh, I, I, like, I haven't handpicked any opponent or really, I, whatever, whatever they put in front of me, this whole title reign, you know, whatever opponent whatever style I just try to do. I try to take on that new challenge every single time, you know, but this one, I kind of gave a nod. It was like, I think we did mean Eddie did like it. May, it just makes all the sense in the world. Cause we hadn't finalized the plans for the pay-per-view. But I was like, he didn't tap. He didn't, he was unconscious. That's why he didn't tap. But like, and I, I just saw the whole, like I instantly saw the whole story in my head and I knew he did too. And it was like, Tony gave us the confidence to be like, okay, do it. A guy who's uh, 
honestly wasn't a big star on television. You know, he, he's fairly new to AEW. He just made an event at pay-per-view. But I, I knew. So there was kind of a risk for Tony. But he, he gave me the faith because I knew. I said, I know this fucking guy, dude. He will sell this thing like. And I just knew, you know, so I, I, I saw the whole thing. So it all, all kind of came together as you saw it happen. Like it just literally all came together as you saw it happen on TV is how it actually looked. And uh, I couldn't be more happy with the whole thing. So I'm pretty stoked. I feel like shit today. <laughs> even like not, not feeling very good physically, but uh, with the, uh, with the result of everything. I'm very happy. Now, the, both of those matches were really good. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, the, the promos were really stand out, like just fantastic stuff that we don't really see too much in wrestling today. But, uh, you know, that Eddie Kingston, as a guy who came in uh, to challenge Cody and then getting into the program with you, like he's bona fide now. He's bona fide for whatever he's going to do. And there is definitely some sympathy for him from a fan base perspective. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know exactly what, what he's going to be doing, but at some point, you know, whatever that babyface run looks like, I think he's, uh, he, he's got a lot of momentum getting in there. Um, okay. So let's, uh, a couple more news bits and then I have a, a few more things to talk about, uh, MMA related. Um, so, UFC 256 was going to be Amanda Nunez against Megan Anderson. And, you know, probably not a super competitive fight. Like, Nunez is is at another level than uh, Anderson. But uh, I'm not sure what the injury is, but Nunez is out. And the co-main, which was Peter Yan against Aljamain Sterling, looks to be the new main event. So as they kind of head into uh, the rest of this year with this show coming up, UFC 255, which on paper doesn't look great, even though there are some fights that I imagine will be really good. Then they lose Amanda Nunez, who's one of their top stars. So they're kind of, you know, struggling to 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 end this year. They got Connor in January if it all works out, so they'll be fine. But any any thoughts on uh, on Nunez and Anderson? It wasn't a fight that I necessarily wanted to see, but they've built her up to kind of be a little bit of a draw here. And I, I imagine losing her, well, it's not it's not going to be the difference between you know hundreds of thousands of buys. Still, she is the the one person um, on their uh, when, when it comes to in, in the women's division when it comes to to promoting. You know, she's definitely the tippy top there. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Justin should probably talk. Uh, I don't have much to say on 256. I, what happened to Nunez exactly? Did she, like, they didn't really announce what. Ser- serious life- medical issue, I think it was the wording. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They've had so many cards this year, UFC. They're, they've had so many good cards that when I even hear the Amanda Nunez card, this isn't like a knock to any of them. It's just like as a fan, I'm just kind of getting – it's like WWE's Survivor Series time. It's like it's not the most exciting part of the year 
it's November, like October, November, December for me as a wrestling fan, fight fan. Sometimes that can feel like that downtime for that big winter event. I feel like more people are just thinking about Dustin Poya and Connor, mm-hmm. regardless of what's going to happen. So I don't know. I'm more excited to see Michelle Waterson in January because she's fighting on my birthday. That's cool. <laughs> nice. Karate hottie. I hope she wins. I forget <laughs> she's fighting, but they just announced that. That's another. I think that's one of the other fight nights too but yeah as far as the next one goes i don't know as far as john and and um and garrett did you guys get a chance to catch tiago alvarez and glover to share this weekend tiago santos you mean <laughs> tiago santos i, I uh, <laughs> somebody did that last week on the announcements too yeah tiago santos uh, alvarez yeah real quick about nunes is like i didn't even realize she had a fight cuz there's just so many fights yeah. and there's so many that like you get lost, especially this year. Seems like there's been a big card every week. I didn't even realize Nunes had a fight scheduled until I remember months and months ago. And they said somebody like, "Oh, it's gonna be Megan Anderson." I'm like, "Cool." You know, that's a uh, yeah. They they're bringing him, bringing her in, hoping she would be the one to take out Cyborg. Yeah, or at least present. It didn't happen like that, but you know, still interesting. Men and Nunes, Megan Anderson. I didn't even realize Nunes had a fight scheduled until I saw that she was pulling out of it. I went, I didn't, oh, she's pulling out of the fight? I didn't even know she had a fight because there's just so many cards now. But I think that's kind of bullshit. And I don't know why it is. I mean, like, we're talking about her in the same conversation of, like, the goats that we were having last time where she's, like, the most dominant female MMA fighter of all time. She's a two-division champion, currently actively defending both belts. And yet, I didn't even get the... Like me, one of the biggest fans in the world, I didn't get the memo that she was about to fight. <laughs> How's that happen? How's the, how is she not on Wheaties boxes and on all these commercials? And like, how is she not promoted as one of the greatest athletes in the world? Most dominant athletes in the world. She should be. How I've the only fuck seen her in I the Modelo get... commercials. That's it. They do need to do a lot better job of promoting her. She's yeah, you know, I she's feel gonna like, be yeah, there I feel for like, a while. Yeah. Like, how do you not promote her as the biggest thing in the world? Like, how many times has Connor fought recently? And how many times did he defend either of his belts? No, but we talk about him all the time. He gets all this attention and shit. That's why Khabib's not going to fight him. Khabib's like, fuck you in your attention-seeking ways. Like, <laughs> bullshit. Like, but I, I, I don't know. I just feel like Amanda Nunes should be a much bigger star than she is. Like, I don't know how she's not promote. Like, Amanda Nunes fight should be, like, a Tyson fight because she's that level of dominant. And you can't say that she's not, and you, you she's can't. She's less There's like no a Tyson and more like a Klitschko. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, she's beat everybody. You know, you can't, I don't, I, yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, I mean, people care more about some fucking baseball game or hitting fucking balls with fucking bats and shit than they care about a man. Nunes fight? Get the fuck out of here. E- easy, yeah. easy on, on the baseball. Uh, so, okay, so to, to your point, I, my only point, only point is that Amanda Nunes should be like promoted as one of the greatest athletes of her sport and her generation and should be a bigger deal. 
Okay, I so, think we can all agree on that. So, so to that point, though, when Ronda was on top, that is exactly how they promoted her. How much of that is because they saw marketability, and how much of that is that she, um, you know, probably had a few fights that were of interest because. Amanda Nunez, like you said, she beats everybody, so there's no real challenger for her. There is no Joe Frazier to her Muhammad Ali, and because of that, uh, can you like ha- like marketing her? Uh, maybe you do have to market her personally from the uh, how they used to market Anderson Silva, which was just like untouchable. Um, Instead of maybe how Ronda was marketed, because you know they they did such a good job with Ronda, but I guess they're a little bit of a different fighter. But I do I do think that some of it is just that she's cleaned everybody out, and there's nobody there. There's no there's nobody there that you could say I cannot wait for Amanda to fight X. The way that we say it is is I just like seeing Amanda fight. She's a badass, and so that there's a little bit of a, a thing there for the marketing if you're the UFC and how you want to present her because there's no competitor there there's no person for her to play against because it's just a sort of a foregone conclusion when she walks in that she's just going to win yeah it's it's a problem to solve i think i think it's a real problem that like i get like why are people more interested in a baseball game than in man Nunes fight that makes no to me because i'm a huge MMA fan and i appreciate the sport and i just like and to me it makes no sense but okay, there's something missing. Let's solve the problem. Let's do the. Let's look at it, and why? Maybe she needs a rival. Maybe that could be Valentina. Maybe Ronda comes back one day. Maybe they sign Cyborg back. I, I don't know who you're gonna get to to be a rival with Amanda Nunes because she's just such a she's uh she's just in her own world on her own plane. But I think you know, to me, like you can like. You can market any MMA fighter, no matter what their style is, no matter what their background is, no matter what their fights look like or whatever. You can market them based on their strengths. Like everybody used to say Damon Maya was like, like Damon Maya, for example, boring jiu-jitsu guy. We can't market him. And he, and he doesn't talk trash. He's just a nice guy, whatever. This motherfucker strangles people. He's like a human anaconda. How is that not so obvious how you market him? You market him as the human anaconda strangler guy. And you have a fucking like 3D graphics of a giant anaconda with Damian Maya's head on it. And everyone he faces, he strangles them like an anaconda. And you, there's a way to market everybody, you know? Uh, Can I say one thing? I know Damian Maya does get... Um, he is underrated, and I want to put it out there that the Damian Maya instructional jiu-jitsu DVD is one of the most effective instructional DVDs that I've ever watched slash used. Uh, it's awesome. His jiu-jitsu is so – it's close to a, like a perfect grappling game uh, as far as the angles go and the theories he has on uh, like holding mount positions and other little details, but he's the man – people should recognize but yeah it's people don't know why he's good they need to be taught they need to to he needs to have something like a anaconda uh special or whatever because that's something that people can easily 
latch onto and follow from there. Oh, that's the guy that does the thing. Because otherwise, he's just a guy. It is entertainment, too. Yeah, while you're talking about it, video instructionals, uh, check out Josh Barnett's double wrist lock three-part tutorial on bjjfanatics.com. Very, uh, very good shit. Nice. But, uh, yeah, like, so... What the fuck was I going to say? Uh, whatever, like, the thing was like, okay, we, I just brought Damien, Damien Maya as an example. Um, we can connect with pro wrestling. Okay, we couldn't, uh, we can't market Chris Benoit in North America because he's got no charisma. He's short. Short for the 90s anyway. In 2020, everybody's under six foot seems like so i'm a tall guy in 2020 he's like five he's like he's basically six foot i don't know why he was so short he's basically really true yeah but uh anyway so we can and all that other whatever chris benoit aside okay there's a guy we don't know how to market because he has no charisma and he can't cut a promo and he can't do all he can't get himself out but paul Heyman found a way what are his strengths he did close-ups on the hands and he did the, um, he accentuated how violent he was and that he dumped people on their heads and he hurt people and he stretched people and the create, he created the crippler character. So he found out what strength was and you just accentuate it and that's how you market him. And we had a lot of great MMA fighters. My point is there's all these great MMA fighters that don't have like the kind of McGregor charisma necessarily. But they have something you can market. They have to, if you figure it out. And like, Amanda Nunes should be marketed to the hilt. She's the greatest, one of the greatest women's athletes we've ever seen. So like, let's get the mark. Like, if you got the marketing machine behind her, there's something there. You can figure it out. You know, we could push her to the moon. You know, make her a bigger, bigger star. She should be a bigger star. Is my whole point. I guess. Okay, can I give you a possible opponent that they okay, there's there's two and one who the UFC th- thinks I think can be an opponent for her. And that is Cl- Clarissa Shields, the uh, gold medal women's boxer. Yeah. Whoa. The other oh, yeah. one and this th- she just may be a little bit too big for Amanda, but I know the PFL is letting her fight outside of the PFL as long as it is not the UFC and probably Bellator. But Kayla Harrison is another one where if they could sort of figure out how to make the weights work, Kayla Harrison has a pedigree behind her that is similar to Ronda Rousey's pedigree and, and probably better. And to the point of where if you're looking for matchups... Those are the two matchups to me that seem to be like the big marquee ones for Amanda Nunez. I, I mean, I, I don't think the Kayla Harrison one is one that they can actually make now, but the, I know the Clarissa Shields one is, is out there. John, what do you think about either of those two matchups for her? I'm not super familiar with either of those uh, women, but like I'd take your word for it that you could probably take either of them sign the deal, sign the contract and figure out a way to market them, to make them a clubber Lang to uh, Amanda Nunes's Rocky. There's gotta be something. Whatever. You know, I'm not, I can't really speak too specifically. I'm not super familiar with either of them. I was going to say, what is Gabby Garcia? Who's probably <laughs> way, 
like three, four week classes away from uh, Amanda Nunes, but that's the only one that even comes to mind because Amanda's so dominant. <laughs> you know, yeah, just catch weight. Fuck it. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like, Gabby Garcia for John Jones. That, that's more her weight class. Yeah, that that's where we're at with Amanda. That's she's so dominant. Nothing yeah, but, uh, yeah. I, I think the color, the Clarissa Shields up. thing is interesting only because of name. We've seen what happens she's when they the box. Yeah, she's she's a boxer. Now she's she's a great athlete as well. So you know, can she learn takedown defense? You know, in, in a year, I don't know, maybe. But at the same time, like we've seen that we've seen James Tony and Randy Couture, right? And and he yeah, was a simple ankle pick, and and then he was done. Shields has any shot, maybe, right. but like it would have to be a boxing match, right? And in that case. He's probably definitely got the advantage and is probably going to smoke Amanda because Amanda's not a boxer. Right. It's a complete, it's a specific discipline. And, uh, but in an MMA fight, like, I think she gets smoked. Like, it's, it'll literally be James Tony, Randy Couture. Like, I just, so I was, did a thing where training with Randy, they were like, uh, did this thing for the AEW countdown show where I was like, yeah. Figure out a way to block the walls of Jericho for the countdown show. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah. So, this thing with Randy and like it, we're kind of faking it, but uh. So I'm like, yeah. So this dude's move, the dude I'm facing, his move is like Boston crab. He grabs his legs, he twists them, and he goes, yeah, you know, Boston crab. Yeah, that's an old catch wrestling maneuver. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, goes. Plan was to put that on James Tony in our uh, UFC fight, actually, uh, and then he, then he's so so Randy Couture's strategy was actually <laughs> and crap. He told me this himself. Just to boss crap James Tony for whatever reason he thought he could pull it off. I believe he beat him with an arm triangle, but so he and then he just goes into this whole thing about the Boston crab position and everything, and it turns into like an hour and a half long seminar about this particular position. Just out of nowhere. It was so fucking cool. It was like the coolest thing. But the what I took from it, I was like, oh, he was trying to boss and crab fucking James Stoney. That's hilarious. That's so <laughs> I didn't even know if he would understand what I was trying to explain. I was, where I was explaining a boss and crab to him because it's a pro wrestling move. I was like, yeah, you know, the, the dude, he grabs the legs and he goes, oh, like a Boston crab position. Yeah, it's an old catch wrestling thing. Anyway, yeah, I was going to do it to James Stoney. So anyway, and he just goes, <laughs> Seminar. It was awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. <laughs> Gabby Garcia was a man. <laughs> Book it. Um, okay, so uh, moving moving along, I do want to hit a couple of other things because Justin did mention it, which is Glover Teixeira wins. But what we know is that Adesanya wants to fight Blakovich, which basically, if they if they are if they make that fight. Glover has to has to wait it out, and you know he is uh, he is uh, an older fighter at this point, but he's he's on a little bit of a run. Would you what what would you do there? Would you make uh, the Glover fight, or would you you know make him wait and go full steam ahead? Adesanya versus Blakovich and uh, Justin, you can go ahead first, and then we'll get John's thoughts. So as as for the fight, I was surprised. I just expected uh, Tiago to just – he looked really good at a lot of times in this too. But, man, 
the southpaw stance, right? He liked throwing those high left kicks, but he left his right leg really far out, like way across the line that Glover Teixeira just, he scooped him up and body slammed him like it was pro wrestling a couple times. And once it was on the ground, unless Tiago was throwing flurries, I think there was one in the second or third round that was really like right at the top of the um, the round that was like, whoa, this might end right the second. But for the most part, Glover took it to the ground and that was more or less it. I think it, I thought it ended at one point. There was the, I forget which round it was, but he was choked out more or less. And then he's saved by the bell. And I was listening to it with the, with the sound off. So I thought, I was like, man, the match is over already. So I don't know. Um, going forward, I'd love to see Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blakovic. If, if Blakovic can, if he's going to be up with that out. Yeah. I want to see that before I want to see that or John Jones. All right, all right, John, you've been playing, uh, you've been playing Booker here a little bit. What would you do in this, uh, in this specific, uh, situation? Glover gets the title shot all the way. It's one five in a row. He's come back. He thought he, he was done. And then he comes back and wins five in a row. He came in on a streak. Failed to win the title. He thought he was done. Now he's on another streak. He cut the promo. Was like, I can't wait around. I'm an old man, kind of thing. Like you got to give him the title. Like it's to me, you give Glover the title shot, hundred percent. I'm not a big fan of this. Izzy Wahovich thing. I don't know. I was like, ah, I don't know because we just got, just got the light heavyweight division settled. And like, if we're gonna have to, like, what's up with the light heavyweight? If we're gonna have divisions, if we're gonna do ninety-three UFC and just everybody fights everybody, cool, whatever, that's fine. But if we're gonna have divisions, and you want to get me like invested in the structure and the concept and the rankings, and you're gonna do this fucking, why are we even having these rankings? If, you know, if you're gonna do that, let's have some stability. And we just got Jan never lost to John Jones. I was always glad he beat Reyes because Reyes lost to Jones. So if Reyes had won, it would have been like, well, he's like the kind of, he's not the real champ. Like even Cormier kind of had that kind of stigma. Like he wasn't a real light heavyweight champion. And Jan never beat John Jones, but Jan never fought John Jones. So Jan can just be like, yeah, John Jones is gone because he don't want to fuck with me. I'm the champ. I'm the man. I'm the guy. I planted my flag on the ground and I believe in Jan to me Jan is the light heavyweight champion of the world it's settled it's done now we're going to do this weird shit where we're going to start mixing weight classes again no I'm like oh man now it's going to get weird as far as the fight itself I I have no idea how it goes like Jan's obviously much more powerful Adesanya is much quicker but whatever happens it fucks up the divisions Mm -hmm. and then it gets all and makes everything more confusing. And you have Robert Whitaker there, ready for a title shot. Like he's the, the whole point of it has nothing to do with Jan. The whole point of this is John Jones. I think Adesanya so clearly wants a mega fight with John Jones. So if that's the case. That, that's the whole point of all this. He straight up said it. He said, oh, I'm going to, as a fuck you to John Jones, I'm going to go up and win the light heavyweight title. Were his exact words. So if that's the case, just call out John Jones. 
Why is Jan even in this conversation? Have your fight at 205, 200, 215, whatever catch weight. Just have have your personal animosity big and it'll be huge. It'll be fucking huge. The biggest the biggest fight we can make right now is Izzy versus John Jones, right? Mm-hmm. I would I would think. So let's do it. But like now that like we just got light heavyweight settled and it's been in such turmoil because of John Jones's shit going in and out of fucking suspensions and drug rehab popping for USADA and all his fucking shit. It's been in turmoil forever. And now we have like, okay, Jan never fought Jones. He's a man, undisputed, light heavyweight champion. And now it's going to get all confusing again. And then like, if he loses, then what happens to like the middleweight title? Or is he going to go... That, that again, that's why Amanda Nunes is so amazing because she's literally defending both belts. Mm-hmm. But so I just, I'm not a fan of this on Jan uh, Izzy thing. I'd love to see Adesani John Jones look it, but Jan doesn't need to be a part of this. If the winner wants to try to face Jan, cool, then that's a big fight. But I think Izzy Jan to me just is, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's weird to me. I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it shit. But, and, and Pussy from Glover, how long is he going to be around, man? He said it. He cut the pro. You know, how do you not feel that? He's like, dude, I ain't got much fucking time left. You got to give me the shot now. I just won five in a row. How do you not feel? He's a huge baby fence. You got to give him the shot. Like, a, a lot of people didn't think, uh, like, Derek Lewis deserved a heavyweight title shot when he won it. But it was right after he cut the funny promo and everything. And, <laughs> and I was like, dude, you have to give it to him right now. This is his what he's not gonna be you don't know how it's lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You get one chance for a big pay-per-view buy rate with this great character, the lovable black beast Derek Lewis, who we all love. This is the moment. You gotta strike it. I'm so so glad I did. Even though he had like no shot to win. That was this one moment, and they, you know, that great marketing, great everything. Like, and this is not pro wrestling, but I, I you know, I always look at it with, uh, with what I would do if I were like the matchmaker and shit for like stories and what I would try to sell on pay per view. And like, you got Glover here, and he's this great story. And Jan is the new champ, and here we go. It's right there. You know, you got it. This is your one chance to strike on Glover Teixeira, and let's do it. You got to do it. I, I think the the most interesting thing to me about this fight with Jan and Izzy is the fact that it's not a gigantic fight because Jan, as the champion, is not at the level of, of maybe where, you know, no, no one's, you know, he's, he, he won't be where John is unless he reels off like five in a row. But at the end of the day, it is not this gigantic fight in order to what you said, sacrifice both divisions or, or, or put that situation on hold at middleweight. And then, you know, and then, and then, you know, change up things at, at light heavyweight. So the, the, the risk is not uh I don't think it is comparable uh to what it would be if 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 it was Izzy and John Jones like if that is the fight then you're like hell yeah like we can put 
the middleweight division on hold because that is a big enough fight. This fight, I don't, I don't even know what kind of business it would do in order to sacrifice uh, the middleweight division. I almost feel like those fights are okay if they are for what's best for business. If they are, is, are going to make the UFC and ESPN and all your partners and you know your your parent company, if they're going to make everybody a ton of money, then it is worth it. In this case, I don't think it's worth it. It's a, you know, $350,000 or 350,000 by pay-per-view or whatever. Maybe it's a little, maybe based on the booking, you can pump it up a little bit, but it's not, it's not going to be, you know, Connor and Dustin and any, or even close to it. So I don't, I don't think the, the risk is worth it. No, if you're going to like have all these different divisions and all these different champions and you're going to try to run all these pay-per-views and all these cars like they do, you can't protect people and book them to win or lose like you can in pro wrestling. But like, if you're going to have divisions, have divisions. If you're not, then then just make it like nine, the early 90s and everybody just fights everybody. Like, Jan's not a big name yet. He hasn't built up his... He just won the... So you're going to put him in the super fight, but it's not fight yet because nobody really knows who the bug Jan is yet we haven't got him over yet right he's new so like he can't and then if he so like all right so say he starches out of Sanya, then then what then he goes back to middleweight and then his then his aura his like drawing power is not the same because you saw him get knocked out yeah because a big part of it he ne- almost never gets touched so a big part of how you sell pay-per-views with him and so forth, you show the highlights of him like dodging punches and he's like unstoppable. So he goes up and gets starts and comes back down. Then you kind of hurt his drawing power at middleweight. But if he goes up and wins, then what the fuck? I don't even know what the fuck happens. Well, or or like, to me, just, just do, if you can do him and Izzy and John, great. Take my money. Just do it. Yeah, just book it right now. Like clearly, that's what we're going for. So why are we taking this extra step? Like, like uh, when nobody in the middleweight division could beat Anderson Silva, he's like, I'm fucking bored. Fuck, I'll go up and fight a 205 guy. Yeah, give me Forrest Griffin. Fuck it. And he just went up randomly and had a random 205 fight in the middle of his middleweight title reign, just to show like, oh, I can beat a motherfucker up who's 20 pounds bigger than me too. But I don't know who was like who was a two or five champion at the time, like Chuck Liddell or Quentin Rampage or something. But he didn't fuck like he didn't fuck with the title. He just like went up and so I, if he's gonna do the same thing like Anderson did, it's clearly a, this is all about a grudge match. He wants to fucking obviously procure a fight with John Jones. Yeah. So let's just book that match. Yeah. Let's just book it right now. We already know where we're going. Let's just do it. Because what happens if he gets starts on the way to John Jones against Jan? Then you don't get the big fight that we want. What we want to see, what everybody, what everybody see, seems to want to happen, is John versus Izzy. So let's just book the fucking fight, right? No, I I think that makes way more sense. Um, and it's got to be something with Jones, right? Or else they would probably make that fight, like. You know, he's I, I can't imagine Adesanya is the one who's like, nope, don't want Jones yet. Want to have a tune up fight against the champion at 205. I, it's got to be on Jones's side. The hesitation, I would assume. I mean, 
that I mean, if he if he was like, yo, I'm gonna have a tune up fight against a light heavyweight champion of the world, and he went out and fucking murked him and fucking the first round, damn, he looks pretty fucking good. And then because you, then you're going against the, the greatest of all time potentially in John Jones. So like that 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 I mean, okay, if that all played out like that, poor Jan, he's fucked. But that would be a huge fight. If he just came up, murked Jan, and then said, bring me John Jones, that's a big fucking fight. Holy shit. Like, right? No, 100%. All right, la- last uh, topic here. I know this is something that Justin was interested in talking about, which is, we, we he mentioned it a little bit earlier, but just the return of the Ultimate Fighter. And I was kind of wondering what you guys thought as far as... Um, do do a do we need the show because Dana White has his contender series and B how do you freshen this show up because you know the last several seasons of this show not many people watched and it wasn't uh, you know they're they're I think they use the hook of the coaches to kind of get some eyeballs and when they were able to do that then then they got the eyeballs but just as the show as the the game as the platform it seemed to 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 get long in the tooth pretty quickly justin since you 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 brought it up to me to add to our little docket of information what are your thoughts on this show is it relevant in 2021 when they come back or at least when they want to come back in march well it could be see like i think that you have Dana White Contender Series, right? But that's an action show. That's just for guys and girls who are more or less ready to be on the stage the next week. With uh, Ultimate Fighter, it's, I think, the ultimate way to, to for them to make stars. You could, The people can sit with newer fighters, learn about what their deal is, learn about who they are, see how they act. Because that's what people are really looking for, or rather fans are looking for. We're looking for like some kind of way to connect with uh, the fighters so you can cheer them on. Because if you don't, like, there's, if there's no connection, it's just, you know, you change the channel. So it's one, it's a good way to build newer unknown fighters. And two, depending on who they get for uh, the coaches, it could be a great setup for a main event pay-per-view down the road. I just don't know what they're going to do as far as, um, as far as coaches. So I don't, I have no idea. And, uh, it'd be interesting to see if they change any of the rules for ultimate fighter, if they're going to have three minute rules or they can change it. It's, it depends on how they want to deliver it, how they want it to look like, what exactly is it? Is it just a show or is it the, they could turn it into a system, like a feeder system for their own company if they wanted to, but with a, a little bit more because it's kind of like we're we're trying all you fighters out, but we're kind of letting fans decide who's getting over or not, I suppose. That's it's kind of spitballing, but so, yeah, so be- I think, bef- yeah. before uh, I get John's take, I have, an, I have an idea, and I don't know if you guys would have even watched this, but gosh, it would have been like... I don't know, maybe mid 2000s, NBC did a show in conjunction with Sylvester Stallone called the Contender Series. And so it was a boxing show, very similar to the Ultimate Fighter in in the way that sort of they had the tournament and everything. But this show was much more glossy rather than gritty. Like that's how I would separate the two. 
Ultimate Fighter was a little bit more gritty. Like it was a little bit of you know the especially in the beginning the underground of of mixed martial arts. These guys that you know are, are fighting for very little money and they're doing it for the love and and they're trying to get to the UFC, which is just the apex. The Contender Series is a little bit different. It was these guys on the Contender Series were chosen just as much for their personalities as they were for their fighting ability. And a uh, guy by the name of Sergio Mora, he uh, he became you know he he became a, a decent name boxer and he still does stuff he's uh he's an announcer now he's the guy that's made off of the contender and the show was so glossy but it was so much about the personalities it was so much about telling everybody's story and everybody of the fighters had such an interesting story now a lot of the, a lot of it was it was sort of the same path that they took in order to get into boxing uh but very glossy, shot tremendously. Uh, they spent a lot of money on it. The The personality profiles were amazing. You had some celebrity cameos with, you know, Oscar De La Hoya, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sylvester Stallone hitting a heavy bag. And so it made it um, just as I, I remember my ex-wife at the time, we would watch this show and I'm watching it for the boxing. She's watching it for the story and i wonder if you could get to a nice balance with the ultimate fighter to where you you have the hardcore fight fans like us watching and then you have john's wife watching and my wife watching because there's something else there now it's going to be on espn plus so you're already limiting the exposure of it but that's sort of my idea of this show john what are your thoughts before we get out of here yeah that uh I haven't watched this show in years. I mean, maybe like uh, cut two seconds of it here or there and they reference it, but it's been on some weird channel like ESPN 57 or something. Yeah, it's like, it was like on FS2 or something like the last time I, I saw it, I think. Yeah, and they, uh, the format changed from the original. The original ones it was very much like a cheesy reality show. And that and that's what that, but that's literally what changed the sport and hooked people in because they had to get the casual fan and they found a way with the reality show. Uh, then it kind of became kind of like the format was different. They shot it different. It was a totally different thing than 2005 when nobody knew what the fuck MMA was. And just the fact that these people did this thing for a living, this barbaric thing was so interesting. And the thing that made the, the original show a success uh, was not the was not the fights. I mean, the fight, yeah, they're part of the story. But like the real thing, and we talked about it last time. The real thing that made a success was like fucking Chris Lieben getting drunk and pissing on everybody. <laughs> and Koscheck and Bobby South Southworth yeah, picking on him. And that hooked everybody, and then everybody watched the fight night with Forrest and. Uh, Stephen Bonner. Bonner. And now the sport has exploded and now it's a real sport. Like the sport's at a totally different place than it was 15 years ago. So it's, you don't need to explain to people MMA is anymore. Half the people watch it and they'll be like, oh yeah, my friend does it. Or they go down to this place and do it. Like people, it's, it's common. It's everywhere now. Like it's, it's put. That was the goal of the original Ultimate Fighter was to take this underground fringe thing and put it in the mainstream. And now it's like so mainstream that like we 
that's so that's not the goal anymore. So if you're going to redo this show and make it good again and revamp it, you just, I guess you just have to decide what your goal is. Yeah. Because the goal, the first one was a major success. They had a goal to bring this sport to the masses and it worked. Now the sport's already been in the masses for a while. And we, so if we're going to do a new show, is it to create new stars or is it to push new stories or is, I don't know what it is, but they, they got to have a, a goal and a purpose and a reason for doing it. Uh, Otherwise, we're just wasting our time doing a show. Right. You know, I feel like that's what they've been doing the last several seasons of it. They just, we do Ultimate Fighter every year because we just do Ultimate Fighter every year. It's just tradition. We just do it. You know, now, now I'm like, so maybe revamp and think of like, okay, what's the goal to take the sport to the next level and how do we achieve that or whatever? I, I don't know. Or is it even worth doing? I don't know. Those uh, are questions that they have to ask themselves in the tv executive room or whatever that uh, you know, that's way above my fucking pay grade i don't know but uh, uh, you know D- yeah. dana white has been pretty uh steadfast about what he thinks about this show this show is really like you said the thing that helped launch the ufc so i, I can i can understand why he loves this show so much and why he wants to bring it back and uh, I, what i would do though is i would say espn if you could rework the Ultimate Fighter, how would you do it? And I would really get input from the ESPN folks because not to say that ESPN has done these great reality TV shows, but if you get them invested and and, and maybe there is a, a little bit of an aspect of like, let's shoot it a little bit differently or let's make it feel a little bit more special because I, I, I felt as this show's getting long in the tooth, the fighters that they were putting on that show were the like UFC had found everybody and if they hadn't found everybody then Bellator had found everybody and you're you're really talking about the greenest of the green guys and so when you're watching these really green guys you know there wasn't a Nate Diaz on that show you know by the 20th season that uh, the, he was going to be a uh, Nate Diaz sitting around was going to be picked up way sooner than the ultimate fighter so you need to find if if that I would imagine we're still going to be there because guys are in, including the contender series. You're picking up everybody who's worth a damn. It can't be just about the fighting and it has to be about the people. But the problem is, though. Is when they win, you know, this this is like American Idol all over again when they win, if they aren't successful or if they right away you know, are, are fighting uh, on the 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 dark car, the dark uh, matches on these shows. It's just because that they're they are not the good. So I don't know. Maybe maybe even what what they should do is um, take a look at a lot of the recycled contender guys and maybe pick from that litter and say, okay, you know, you lost on the contender series, but you look great. We want you on the Ultimate Fighter. Maybe that's why, because they already have a little bit of exposure to that hardcore MMA community who watches the contender series, so you can get behind somebody immediately. But I would also, I would also make sure we bring in guys who, or, or women, depending on what what kind of series that have a little bit of a, a story and can sell that story. I'm not saying it needs to be this like, 
you know, let's sit with a producer and interview these folks and see. But that is reality television. I, I'm one of my uh, one of my friends from high school. She is a reality TV producer and she has videos out there that's you know if you want to learn how to get cast for these shows here are the things that they are looking for and it's not necessarily you know uh, uh, about you know certain things that you might think it is it's really just these people are, are so polished because they're going for all of these reality shows and then they're good at what the producer is looking for there is an aspect of that that I think you can do with the Ultimate Fighter to where you're planting people who could fight. They have to be able to fight. But it's also about, OK, we can tell this story in week three, you know, when we set this thing up. I think I think it's got to be more than just, you know, people with one and two records fighting each other week after week after week. Yeah, I've been on a reality show and it's they're stupid. They're they're, they're <laughs> Bullshit. There's a formula. They, they, there's like a literal reality show formula. They need like a conflict and a resolution and a high point and this and that. And they sell the episodes and it's all like everything's reality newsflash, people. Reality TV is fake. Not I'm reality. Sure different, show, different shows to different levels are more real. Like some reality shows, I go like, I can't believe they're given that level of clearance to like, are they really letting they're really letting them in there to see the birth of their baby or what? You know, like some people, some different reality shows really like let the, but even then they're, they're like working. Like, you know, like it's all, it's all bullshit to some degree. Like whenever we did it, when I did the total this shit with my wife that they like wanted her to do and then I got forced into it. I'm like, oh my fucking god, I don't want to do this shit. But it was like, <laughs> we're like, okay, we're just, this is all bullshit. Okay. So they're like, okay, like this episode, you're gonna like, like I'd already met her mother two years earlier. We've been together for two years at this point, but I have to pretend that I'm meeting her mother for the first time. Shit like that. Where, you know, it's all, like it's all fake, right? So like, that that's the kind, but that's the kind of shit that hooks new audiences in and stuff. So if you're going to do, like maybe you could do, like take all the guys in the contender series that were interesting personalities and whether they won or lost or were any good, who gives a shit? Like, if they're an interesting person, like just throw the 10 most interesting personalities all into a house. And then you're, but I mean, if you're going to do a reality TV, you got to give them like, situations and stuff i i don't know i i, I kind of think the whole thing is pointless i'm not sure we need ultimate fighter i guess that's the conclusion i've come to it was like in, to, in 2005 it was necessary we needed a way to educate the real people about the sport or the people about the sport and we use reality tv to do that and it worked but now we all know about the sport now i don't know that we need a reality show anymore and like we could do it and can be entertaining and but I, I just don't think I don't think we need it. I would just fucking scrap the ultimate fighter. Like I, I just don't think we need it anymore. I don't know. Maybe that'd be good, but I, I just don't see the point anymore. Like the 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 goal has been accomplished. We're here. We don't need to go. We don't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. That's my thought. The more I'm, you know. Yeah. No. I, I mean. Thought, 
And I never thought about it until the last five minutes. <laughs> the conclusion I've come to is it's like, I don't think we need it. You know, we need, needed it in 2005 and it worked. And it was a success. And that shit's legendary. Chris Lieben and Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner, my friend Josh Rafferty, who coached Jake Hager to a successful win the other day. Oh, yeah. Right. In a knockdown, drag out slugfest. I'm sure you guys saw. Yes. I heard about oh, it, read about it. History. So congratulations. I, I, yeah, I, I saw I saw I saw he was he was in he was in a fight. Like he he had to he had to work his ass off for that one. I saw what his face looked like, that's for sure. You could even see it on the on the TV show, the neck the, the the you know the last dynamite. You could still see the bruising on his face, so he earned that one. Oh I saw him I saw him yesterday. He looked like shit. <laughs> I was so like dude, I was pacing in between rounds. I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm like, take him down, take his ass down. What are you doing? Oh God! Ah, like what a war! Like and for a dude who, you know, man, just so happy for him that done doing such a good job and such a good job with him. Also, uh, we forgot to. to we, we were so in the uh, the Khabib fight. It just happened, so we we're just so enamored with that when we did the last show. But the day before that, so this is like a couple weeks ago now, Josh Barnett. Uh, won victoriously, dominantly, really, a bare-knuckle boxing fight in Poland for KSW with elbows legal. So bare-knuckle with elbows. That's some gnarly shit. That's somebody's getting cut. Everybody's getting cut. You might as well just throw fucking a box of razor blades in the ring because everybody's going to be fucking bleeding. Like, that was... One of the I texted him. I said that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. KSW was like really cool. The, the way the uh, the theatrics and the pageantry that they do, and it was a it was a ring, like a square ring, but a cage. So it was almost like a pro wrestling cage match. And uh, just the way that the, the way they presented it. So go out of your way to find KSW Genesis. Bare knuckle uh, Josh Barnett versus a man whose name I can't pronounce. In a, an absolutely brutal affair. He collar ties him. He gets clinched. Tight, short elbows. Just fucking cheese grating in his face. But the, either the ref stopped it or he opted not to come out. The dude looked like the dude at the end of the fight. Josh looked great. His opponent looked like he'd just been stung by a swarm of Africanized bees. <laughs> looked terrible. Face all swollen, like it was, oh man, what a what a what an endeavor to do! Like oh my god, it was it was a harrowing harrowing experience to watch. So I, I wholly uh, I urge you to to search that out if you're bored. KSW Genesis. So and, uh, I I don't know if you asked him specifically about this, but obviously he is uh, you know catch wrestling MMA sort of pioneer. Uh, I know he loves pro wrestling. Like that sounds like a, a whole different kind of thing. And if you would have asked me, you know, I, I've, I've met him a few different times and, you know, just kind of uh, at wrestling events, actually, when, uh, when he had Shayna uh, over here in the Bay area, I wouldn't have sort of picked him to do something like that was that something that was you know 
just kind of, hey, you know, we're going to give you money to do this? Or was that something he was actually interested in doing? Because it just seemed a little bit off kilter from what he would normally do. I think, and we talked about this, and I think that not necessarily, it wasn't necessarily he was, you know what I really need to do? Because I said, I was like, the way I'm reading this is like, you're just out of challenges. <laughs> You've done pro wrestling. You've done MMA. You've done pride, metamorphosis. You've fought in every cage ring under any rule set possible. Like, you're just out of challenges. You're just looking for something new. But I think what it was, it's like he was just like, and this speaks to a bad motherfucker he is. He really wanted to just, he just wanted to fight. He hadn't fought in a long time, needed a fight because he had had problems with uh, USADA and he got fucked over and he presented evidence and he exonerated himself and all that is a whole story that you probably, if you don't, I'm sure you guys know, but you can look it up. But well, I, he, I, he I, I think innocent in this long fucking court battle and well, he got years of his career taken away. I, I don't did I don't think I mentioned this on this show, but um, I told this to somebody recently. Um, I was in L.A. with Meltzer, and we were at the Access Studios because we were interviewing Kazuchka. Yeah, right, and, and so uh, we were there when Josh literally got the news that the case was overturned. And so I'm like, oh, my God, like this is, you know, and you saw his face and just like relief. But it was like, it was like a cross between relief and like frustration because he had to fight this thing so hard. And like you said, lost years like it was it was a, it's a crazy memory and something I'll never forget. Yeah, you don't get you don't get time back on this earth, man. And yeah. And so he was just chomping at the bit to fight and then tried to fight in Bellator and then he get gets a flu the night before his fight somehow and the doctors won't clear him and then he so he can't so he hasn't fought in a long time and he was just like I need to fight and they're like and everything shut down there's a pandemic going on uh so he's like is anybody doing any this is how I kind of figured it you know he's like is anybody doing any fights anywhere? Like Bellator's not running, UFC's confused. They're trying talking about an island. Is anybody out there anywhere doing fights? I need to fucking fight right now. And KSW, and he's got contacts all over the world. So KSW goes, yeah, I mean, we can do a bare knuckle fight with elbows or some crazy <laughs> shit if you want. And he was like, cool, fine, sure, because <laughs> he's that fucking much of a bad motherfucker that he can be like, sure, I don't give a fuck, whatever. Box sling, elbow, I don't give a fuck. I'll win. It's fine. <laughs> he just took whatever. He just wanted to fucking get a fight under his belt again. He's hadn't fought in so long. He's like elbows, whatever. I'll go fight. Like so cool. Yeah. So wow. That's interesting. Now, now that you know a little bit more of the backstory, that's even more of a reason for you to check it out if you're listening. Yeah. Well, we didn't get to talk about UFC 255, but that probably says more about the card in of itself um, because there was this other stuff to talk about. Uh, but I will say that, you know, uh, because of schedules, 
I probably won't be around for a little while during that Thanksgiving week, but at some point after Thanksgiving, you know, we should we should definitely do this again where, you know, we're not really talking about one specific show, but just about kind of the news that's going on and other things. And I know we I know Justin was trying to think about some historical things, but we didn't even have time for that. So we can definitely do more of that in the future. But uh, yeah, I think this was this was really fun. And uh, I think uh, this maybe this is the better way to go instead of just, you know, kind of previewing shows and doing postgame shows. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Like, I, it, it'll be about, you know, what you guys uh, like as well. But um, anything anything left? I know uh, we got Dynamite on Wednesday. So this will be up uh, Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. So we got Dynamite. That's why John is uh, is still in, in Jacksonville. Uh, anything to promote there? I'm not. No, I'm just. I'm ready to get this fucking hotel room, man. I'm ready to fucking DDT somebody's ass and go home. Boring. And then, uh, yeah, just 2020, man. You when you gotta like not go places and you gotta stay socially distant. Oh my god, when you're a hotel, oh, so bored. But you know, it's worth it for you know. You gotta do. You have to. You have to take responsibility for your. Uh, for your own self and your peers' self, and you know, do Absolutely. what you gotta do. It sucks. Absolutely. Um, all right, so that is gonna be it from here. Uh, and like I said, we'll 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 get back uh, together at some point, and it'll be not in, in from a hotel room, and we're all sort of on cell phones and stuff. But uh, I, I did I did want to do this because uh, a because John was just so bored but b because you know we hadn't we we weren't going to be able to talk about ufc 255 because of our schedule so this was this was kind of a perfect time for me um justin any last words on your end um check out the um debbie malenko and fumi saito podcast in the like media podcast twitter if you haven't already and there'll be some uh, video footage up later this weekend all right so for AEW champion John Moxley and Justin Nipper. I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.